Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. It's a welcome back and a happy new year from me, Steve and Gitto. And it's a happy new Podbean uh, welcome back from us as well. We had a bit of a hiatus from there uh, this season as we uh, ventured down other routes, but we're back. And it's thanks to the incredible generosity of you guys. We can't thank you enough. We're completely taken aback uh, by the response we got to our uh, appeal, if you like, on Twitter last week. Uh, within four hours, we'd hit our target, and it's meant that we've been able to um, purchase uh, the uh, ongoing uh, subscription and get back where we can get on iTunes and everywhere else that you like to subscribe to the podcast from. So first and foremost, a massive thank you um, from the three of us to everyone who's contributed. And um, we left a link up there on our Twitter bio. So if you go onto our Twitter page, the Jackcast, and click on um, our, our bio, you'll see the link there. Um, because what we've actually gone over the amount we wanted to <laughs> raise. So we're going to leave it up there. And any money you donate now uh, will go towards um, a charity, which we'll be putting out. Uh, it'll be up to the to you guys to decide where it goes, um, but we'll put it to uh, a local charity. Um, so again, thank you so so much for that. And um, let's get on to the podcast, shall we? As you uh, may have guessed already, I'm joined by Steve Carroll and Gitto Llewellyn. Evening, both. Good evening. Evening. And a happy new year to you both as well. Uh, we haven't actually had a podcast for about half a month now. We've given ourselves a bit of Christmas time off. In fact, the last podcast we did, correct me if I'm wrong, was the review of the Cardiff game, uh, which is a, probably a, a good way to end 2020 on anyway, to be honest with you. Uh, so um, maybe we could say that it was planned, but it wasn't. Uh, just things got in the way. Um, so we've got a whole lot of games to review this time round and we'll start off uh, by going chronologically and we'll go back to the game after it and Steve I remember saying on the podcast like, that Cardiff game the threat of the Derby one being after the Lord Mayor's show and it was exactly that and it was what we were worried about wasn't it because it's happened in the past with us as well we we, we, fe- we focus all our energy and, um, and, and rightly so by the way we focus all our energy on that game against Cardiff and then afterwards it's almost afterwards we just can't get ourselves up for the game after it and we found that in Derby which was probably our worst performance uh, if not this season maybe under Steve Cooper completely it was really really poor wasn't it yeah it it was awful I I can't even think of a a positive from it to be honest but the way you have to look at it is everybody does have the odd shocker and that was ours, really. But, um, yeah, funny one. It, you can get it sometimes, can't you, to the after the Lord Mayor's show effect. And um, I think it happened on that day, didn't it? Just one of those where you've just got to go, it happens. Uh, make sure you, you put it right in the, the next game and make sure it's a one-off. So, yeah, you can you can overlook uh, performances like that occasionally, I think. But if, uh, if it was to become the norm, then I think we'd all be uh, losing the plot, really. But... Uh, yeah, a, a bad night at the office. Um, no other way of looking at it, really. Yeah, I think the writing was on the wall early doors. Everyone was probably just looking at it going, how was one's going to start now after that, Gitto? And then Colin Kazin Richards, uh, a name from the past, has just weaved his way, found his way uh, one-on-one through a little bit of uh, jiggery-porkery through the box. And, and, and he's poked it in past um, Woodman after 
three or four minutes. It was a horrendous start, and it got worse from there. Yeah, it, w- it wasn't like us at all, was it? Once you see us defending like that, you think, well, that's not very Swansea-like uh, this season. And it, it set the tone. Nobody had a good game. Everybody was off. Um, everybody just looked really tired and uh, just just looked like they needed a break if I'm being honest and it was it was definitely our worst performance of the season um I think I think in fairness most fans kind of reacted to it as the one-off that it was kind of thinking okay this is really bad but this is not how we play most most of the time so um I don't think there was too much overreaction to the result thankfully um but at the same time it was it was an awful game to watch a pretty painful one to sit through yeah, it was. And if that game was perhaps a start, as you mean to go on in a negative sense for the Swans, well, the games were coming thick and fast. They still are, of course, this season. And a few days later, we played Barnsley, Steve, and uh, we actually reacted in the perfect way by scoring very early. In the, just the second minute, uh, Lowe was the quickest to react to the far post from uh, from our header back into the box. And... Um, Set the tone for the day and uh, and, a, and a good win against um, a not too shabby Barnsley team. Perhaps one of the better teams we've seen this season as well. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good win. If I'm honest, I can't really go into a lot of detail at all about this game because I did watch it, but my stream uh, was very jumpy. Uh, nothing to do with the club. I don't think. I think it was my internet. But um, yeah, quite often you would see the ball would be passed, and then a few seconds later it would be somewhere else. So. Yeah, I can't um, make a great deal of comment about that, but it was a uh, it was important to bounce back, wasn't it, after um, the Derby game, really? And um, yeah, I think Barnsley they're not the worst team in the league by any stretch. They've been quite decent this season, so yeah, yeah, it was important to get that win and obviously another clean sheet as well, which uh, is becoming our major strong point, really. So yeah, I'm uh, I was very pleased with it, but I can't say I enjoyed the game because watching a, a game <laughs> where uh, the stream is dodgy. I'm sure everyone can relate to it's uh, not the most enjoyable thing. Oh God, no! Um, if there was any questions over whether the uh, the Cardiff game was the was the flash in the pan for um, Jamal Lowe, get or he's uh, quickly followed that up a couple of games later with that reaction finish, and maybe started to sow the seeds. So what we've seen since. Yeah, we've got the first mention of Jamal Lowe, but it won't be the last in this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like you said, getting off the mark early, um, right place, right time. It's the kind of thing that Lowe's been doing the whole time, getting into kind of dangerous positions. Um, it's just that his finishing hasn't been um, at it. I mean, he couldn't really miss this one, even though I guess you could say he's he's missed some pretty bad similar ones um, uh, previous to that. Um, but again, I think it's just an example of Lowe just doing the kind of things that he's been doing all season, but actually putting in the back of the net now. And and that comes from confidence, I think. Um, and, and that's the big difference, really, um, between low now and low before the Cardiff matches. He, he's got that taste for goals. He's got the belief that he is going to score. Um, so he's still doing that. He's still putting in the hard yards that he was before. But now, you know, he's getting a goal return. And, and the thing is, when we take the lead in games, we 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 do not you know we yeah. do not let up um and throughout that match against Barnsley there was never any doubt really that we were going to win that game Barnsley created absolutely nothing uh, we we ne- Woodman I don't think was was ever stretched 
Um, we defense just stood very strong against a, a good side. It was a, it was an awful game to watch. I'll be honest. I mean, the fact that we scored early really ruined it for any neutrals because we could then just sit back and protect our lead. We had no interest in playing football. The pass completion rates for that game are astonishingly bad. The Swans had 39% pass success, which is unheard of as far as I'm concerned. I cannot, I don't think I can ever remember the Swans having such a low pass completion rate. Pretty much, you know, you're not far off there. Two in every three passes going astray. Uh, and Barnsley weren't much better. They only had 49%, which which is desperately poor as well, but but nowhere near as bad as our figures. So if you want an idea of how bad the game was, just just look at those statistics. Um, the pitch takes some of the blame, but but it can't take all of the blame for 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 that kind of passing. I think the Barnsley man just said in post match, Neil Swansea didn't have any interest in playing football. It was only one team out there, and I do think you're all right, you know. The, 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 but I do think we did set out to not try and play football on that pitch, which at, by the end was was horrendous you know you could we, we, we may as well have asked for a, a move to come level park or something like that instead for the game because the, the pitch was so in such a poor state that it wasn't fit for any team you know stoke would have struggled to enjoy that back in the heyday but having um having us try and uh i'd like to be kind and say that we tried to adapt to the circumstances but the amount of long balls we played Gitto was horrendous and it was just hoofing it up the pitch uh, not even attempting to play football yeah I'm not surprised by those pass completion, pass completion rates at all um, and you know you get a goal early doors and then you you benefit from a unfortunate own goal uh, in the, early in the second half then and the, the situation is, um, is decided because as you say we very, very rarely give up leads, and um, we don't concede enough to do that, unfortunately. And um, it's just a nice, comforting feeling when we score first, isn't it? Well, if Woodman was very quiet in the game against Barnsley, he certainly was the busier of the two in the first half against QPR in the following game on Boxing Day, Steve. Um, could say on the balance of play, QPR probably deserved to go in ahead, and we were thinking, well, let's get to half time nil nil, and uh, and take it from there. But just before half time, Andre reacts quickest to the ball bouncing off the post, and um, once once one nil up, and as Gitto said, when we go one nil up, we we rarely give it up. Uh, so we went on to win uh, two nil after the uh, fantastic goal scored by Jamal Lowe, assisted by Matt Grimes early in the second half. Uh, showing every bit the sort of confidence which perhaps he was lacking a month earlier against Brentford and Norwich, and um, it's just it was it was a, it was a, it was an odd one, but it was a very welcome win, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we need to uh, send a little gift in the post to uh, Cardiff goalkeeper Alex Smithies because uh, that fumble in the early on in that game that broke uh, Lowe's goal duck seems to have uh, you know had a lasting effect, shall we say? Um, but yeah, we we didn't play that well, I don't think, in that QPR game in the first half, especially, I've got to be honest. I think Woodman did make some great saves, one from a header in particular. And then we had offered very little, really. And then, as you say, we, we got that goal against the run of uh, run of play. And then in the second half, really, I mean, Lowe, once he gets in with that lovely pass from Grimes, you just felt he was going to score. And about you know, a few weeks before that, you would have thought that he definitely isn't going to score. He's a changed man, really, isn't he? So... And as you say, once we're 2-0 up, 
this team doesn't really let those situations slip. But, you know, I, I did feel a little bit for QPR because I think they're definitely not the worst team we've seen this season. But I think they let themselves down in, in both boxes, really. And that's why um, we ended up uh, taking the points. But we've definitely seen uh, worse sides than them, I would say. And we, we did ride our luck, especially in the first half, a little bit. I felt a bit guilty, I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> QPR... It, it it was a bit embarrassing almost the fact that we went in ahead of the break because QPR played a lot of good football, created some good chances. They just could not find that piece of quality to get the ball into the back of the net and uh, you know that final touch really as well, didn't they? With the headers and yeah, uh, someone they really should have scored. Oh, a couple they were the. Times. They were the architects of their own downfall as well, um, because not just in, the, in their wastefulness, but, you know, there was a defensive mix-up for IU's goal. So, you know, they, they didn't help themselves. But still, if you were looking, you know, at, at the play in that first half, there's no doubt who the better team was. And if you were to ask um, a, a neutral observer, you know, which one of these teams do you think is the one challenging for promotion to the Premier League? Um, they probably have said neither, but they probably say the QPR were, were the most likely. I mean, we, we weren't good. We were really bad in that first half. Um, and, um, pro- you know, the, throughout the game, actually, we weren't very good. Even defensively, I thought we rolled our luck. Against Barnsley, we were good defensively and we limited their chances. Against QPR, we, we were a lot more open. We weren't winning the headers um, in the way we usually do. Um, and we weren't giving Freddie Woodman as good a protection. It, it wasn't a good performance by the team. Um, and it was one of those where we, we got a little bit lucky. We scored two goals at, at very good times. Um, Lowe's obviously was was a fantastic one. Um, but but that was enough to see it out against a team that was low on confidence and, and just things not going their way, really. It's interesting you finish on that because that was literally what I was about to say there. It's often the way, isn't it, when you're at the bottom or you're down there where you, you're finding that maybe um, the rubber the green isn't there with you and you, you can dominate games, but you just can't get the right get it right in both boxes. And I think that game really did sum, sum up that, really, in that um, QPR had none of the luck and uh, we got it when it mattered most. Um I read on your Twitter feed, Gitto, a very interesting point following the next game, which was uh, the 30th of December. Don't worry, guys, we're almost in this year now when we're reviewing these games, so um, we're nearly there. But um, a very interesting point, which was that looking at the games this season when we've played our best football, more often than not, we've ended up without taking the result we deserved and it's the games which we've been playing quite poorly in like the QPRs we've just talked about where we're picking up the points and Reading was exactly that wasn't it it was the it was the new pitch it was something where we were just looking forward to um, you know trying to get back to some sort of football after that horrendous uh, display as you say against Barnsley uh, in terms of our passing and um, the result suggests that or maybe we didn't really hit it off but my God, did we? It was a fantastic display, uh, Gitto, wasn't it? And I just think the game deserved a Swans win. And we put in the performance, uh, one of the performances of the season, definitely. And, and thoroughly deserved to take the spoils from that. And uh, just couldn't find the, the, the telling moment. Yeah, and not for the first time this season, we've, we're kind of frustrated because the Swans have really upped their game. I mean, I mean, there was chalk and cheese when you compare the, the performance against Reading with the performances against um, Barnsley, Derby and, and QPR, really, you know, a couple of those games. We, we weren't really at the races massively for, for any of them, definitely way off our best. And then, 
you know, it's it's a good sign that when then a team in the top six came to the Liberty, we really did up our game. I I don't know how much credit we can give to the Liberty pitch, but it definitely helped us with our passing, which was much sharper. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the the remarkably low pack success rate against um, Barnsley against Reading. I think it was up in the eighties again. Um, we we had possession, but we used it well. We we you know created lots of different kinds of chances. Um, and, and it was just one of those nights where it just wouldn't go in for us, you know. There were there was obviously a really bad miss in the first half of Gay, and just a couple of chances where oh, it's not quite far enough in the corner. It's just within the reach of the keeper who had an unusually fantastic game for Reading. Um, and and it was just one of those really frustrating nights, much like the one early, ones early in the season against um, against Brentford and Norwich, where we could not get that that goal which would have given us what what we deserved from the match you said it there um there was one moment in the in the second half where um uh, you had what looked like a point blank header steve uh which was clawed off the line by the goalkeeper he had an absolute world he didn't hear just we played really good football that night and um just didn't feel like we were going to score against him he was in incredible form yeah he was you do get that sometimes anyway you face a goalkeeper who just refuses to be beaten and um, unfortunately we came up against one didn't we um, against Reading I think that's the main reason why well it's got to be that they they came away with anything because we were by far the better side it was a very encouraging performance which did make, make it all the more frustrating really that we didn't get the the result that we deserve but um, you just have to tell yourself really that in general if you do play um, play that way that more often than not you will get what you deserve and um you know, it's it is frustrating though. We can't, uh, you know, we can't deny it. We we've sat here loads of times. I think, uh, especially when Graham Porter was in charge, when we were talking about games, and you're looking and thinking, how the hell have we not won that? And probably hasn't happened as much under Steve Cooper, but it did happen um, against Reading, didn't it? And um, you know, they they weren't really a side that impressed me a huge amount. So I'll take that from it. That you know, certainly in terms of uh, if we're going to be in a battle for automatic promotion, I don't think that. Uh, they are based on that. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to see when you're coming up against your your fellow contenders, aren't you? Where do we stand? Where 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 are we in this in the in the big mix up here? And uh, we haven't let ourselves down this season. Obviously, we're right up there now. And whenever we've come up against the bigger teams, um, we've more than held our own. And perhaps I feel deserve to win more than we have um, of those games. Hopefully uh, that fortune has changed, however, Gitto, following uh, the game yesterday, which was uh, Saturday, uh, against Watford, one of the ones expected to be up there at the end of the season. Got a new manager, Bounce, come in. He's had a great first result, and you're thinking, oh, is this going to lie? Is he still in his honeymoon period? And then Watford take the lead, and you're wondering, are we... uh, are we going to be facing the brunt of uh, this new manager bounce um, and start the year off with a defeat? However, and what is rather unusual for this Swansea team is the fight back was was incredible. Well, lovely football again through the game, but um, a thoroughly deserved win and uh, the manner of the victory perhaps left a wider smile on, on Swan supporters' faces because as much as we say when we score first, we very rarely give up the lead. I'd like to see the stats and when we concede because our bounce-back ability, to coin a phrase, um, 
isn't Ian something Dowie, we've been, eh? <laughs> we <laughs> really been renowned for it over the years, have we? So to see us come back like that, it was was very impressive and pleasing. Yeah, I mean that that is what makes this the biggest win of the season for me. I mean, not not just the fact that we've won against the team in the top six for the for the first time this season, but the fact that we've come from behind to win for the first time this season and against one of the toughest defenses in the division as well. I think they'd only conceded fifteen goals um, before this match. Uh, we'd only conceded twelve, and our you know our statistics are outrageous um, really for this time of the season. Um, so. You know, when we fell behind, you think, oh, this is going to be difficult. The only other time this season we've fallen behind and then gone on to get anything out of the game was um, was the one-all draw away against Coventry. Um, we don't fall behind often, but when we do, we, we struggle to, to, to respond. You know, we're not that kind of team, really. But, or at least we thought we weren't that kind of team because, actually, in this match, Reading took the lead, but we came straight back at them. We've been playing well before the goal and we played well after the goal. We... we kept attacking down that right wing where Ngakia, who's usually a right back, was was playing left back for Watford and we exposed it for all it's worth. I mean, he was taken off at half-time for a reason. Um, put in a series of good crosses into the box, just, you know, Watford centre-backs defended them well, but we, we, created, we created a few really good chances, couldn't quite get it past Foster and then we're going to say his name again, it's Jamal Lowe. You know, the ball played into him from Corey Smith, who was my man of the match. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, and right before halftime, at such a good time to score. Um, you just see Lowe shifted onto his right foot really well. And it's it's just a beautiful like, finish. It, it, it didn't have much pace on it, but it kind of curls perfectly against that foot of the post uh, and goes in. It's an absolutely beautiful goal. And not only is Lowe scoring goals now, you know, quite a few of them are seriously eye-catching. You know, they're, they're, they're finishes of real quality. And to score just before half-time like he did there it was just a, a huge moment in the game, real turning point. And actually, as soon as we got one back, I was thinking, well, come on, let's go. We've been the better team in this first half. Let's go out in the second half and, and finish the job. And obviously, Steve, that's what we did. Yeah, it was. I mean, as you say, really, I mean, we're a bit unlucky to have gone one nil down, but then we definitely deserve that equaliser. We'd started to turn the screw, wouldn't we, in the late on in the first half, and then when it, it finally came, as you as you described well there. But again, in the second half, we were we were the better side. I mean, we had that goal disallowed for offside. Impossible to tell if it was or not purely because obviously um, they didn't give us the the type of camera angle that we wanted. But in the end, the goal came from what was a brilliant cross, really from. Corey Smith, it was one of those where the goalkeeper doesn't know whether he can come for it or not. And I think that's the uncertainty then that caused him to make a mistake. And obviously Lowe then is just headed in, which I wouldn't have expected to have seen a, a headed goal from him. But the form he's in at the moment, this, that's what seems to be happening. So it was very encouraging. And we did start to sit a little bit too deep for my liking, I would say, after that in the second half. But um, once Gibbs White came on then, he gave us that little bit of extra, didn't he? And, um, you know, I don't think Watford really ever put us under too much pressure, did they, for an equaliser? No, they, they didn't. And um, you go back to, to Jamal Lowe, because he deserves, he deserves his own section in this podcast at the moment, doesn't he? Uh, he's scoring all sorts of goals now, Gitto, isn't he? And you mentioned there's some eye-catching ones there. He scored the close-range one early on against Barnsley. He scored a header on the weekend against Watford. So he is he's managing to get himself in these positions where he can score from 
most places in the opposition final third. And um, it's great because there's no one way that you can deal with that then. Or show him on this side or don't let him get a like, yard on you. But with the pace he's got as well and his confidence is flowing, it's a real purple patch for him. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You, you know, it's it's not just a matter of marking him up in the six-yard box because, you know, if he has to then drift outside the box, then he's dangerous from long range as well as he's shown. You know, it's he, he's he's just full of confidence, as we said earlier, and, and all the things that he was doing well earlier on in the season but not getting the, the, the reward, they're now yielding goals for him. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, he was getting himself into dangerous goal-scoring positions earlier on the season. He was getting chances. He just wasn't putting them away. But he was doing all the other good work that a striker needs to do. Well, now that he's just got his scoring boots on, I, I mean, we're seeing exactly how good a player he is. Um, and, and, you know, what you, every you know, it always helps if you've got um, a striker that, that can find the back of the net. I know that some clubs go up without that you know, prolific goal scorer up front. But but if we if Jamal Lowe can keep his scoring rate at anything close to what it is right now um, for the rest of the season, then he's going to be a heck of an asset for it uh, for us. And he is a difficult player to play against. And it wasn't just the goals against Watford. There were a couple of occasions where he was picking up the ball and backing himself to go past several players. And he'd, he'd be pushing himself in between. Like, there was one time when there were a cluster of four yellow shirts around him trying to get the ball off of him. And in the end, they ended up fouling him. Um He's a difficult player to play against because he's he's far more than just a goal scorer. He is happy to put in that work, dropping deep, dropping wide, um, dribbling, taking on players, using his strength. He's he's a total pain in the backside if you got to defend against him because his because of his versatility, and that's because obviously he he was a winger for so much of his career. And now, you know, starting off at Wigan and 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 more so now since arriving with us, he's playing as a striker. He's you know he's got so many different attributes to his game that he's he's a really difficult player to play against. And um, you know if you were to ask who's been kind of player of the month over over the past month, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he would get he would get the nod. He's 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 always been good, but but he looks totally transformed now and he's taken his game to a new level. It's so weird that confidence in a footballer. It's it, it's like no other industry where you can just like have your talent and there be that, and that's what you've got. But footballer, you confidence is the difference between every. Well, it's everything, isn't it? Uh, several weeks ago, you were looking at him, and he was in the same sorts of positions as as he's getting in now. But his touch was heavy, or he wouldn't get around a man who was he was clearly faster than. But he didn't have the belief that he was going to do it. Now he's looking like he can take on the world. I don't know if either of you recall, it was just this passing moment in the game against Watford, but it was on the near touchline in the corner flag, and he showed incredible feet. I think he won a corner out of it, but it was just like twinkle toes out there. And he was just like flicking it between his legs and, 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 and dragging it back. And there was two players out there with him and they just couldn't get it off him. It was in the it was in the first half and it was just like, I was watching that and that was the moment for me when I was looking at that going, he's on top of the world right now. I'd be surprised if there was a point in his career where he felt more uh, invincible than he does right now because he, he's just playing with that exuberant confidence Um and it's great to see because, let's uh, say, we've become heavily reliant the last two years on uh, on, on uh, Andre Ayew. And, and so to see someone take that burden off him and, uh, and needed to as well because Ayew's not quite getting the rub of it himself at the moment. Uh, and it's it's, it's fa- fantastic to see. But um, that 
as Gittel said at the start, do you agree, Steve, that that was the best win of the season? It's got to be, really, isn't it? Because you, know, you, you look at it, it's the best team that we've beaten so far. Um, we were behind in a game. Um, obviously, we had the frustration of the Reading game where we played really well and we didn't win. And then you think, well, we've conceded now in this one after a reasonable start and our thing's starting to go against us. But, you know, we managed to um, to dig it out. And, I mean, you look at it from the other point of view, there were, Brentford obviously didn't play, for example. I know Bournemouth were playing later and it was just a chance for us to, you know, take advantage of um, of that situation. And, and we did that. We put a bit of pressure then onto um, some of the other sides. So, yeah, for me, definitely the, the biggest win of the season. Yeah, really good. Um, so that brings us up to date, gents. We are actually now, at the current day, finally caught up on everything. Um, We're actually back in 2021. Can you believe? Can you believe? We aren't, we aren't talking about the good old days anymore. We're back in up to date, and we'll uh, try and keep there for as long as we can. Uh, let's move on now. This is going to take a little bit longer than usual, because I appreciate, due to the issues we had with accessibility online, um, there will be a fair, fair few of you out there who want to caught a jackass podcast this season and so uh this new for this season is a middle section of the podcast where we did have twitter questions previously and we do infrequently have them still but at the moment what we're doing is we're chucking a bit of fun in the middle is a quiz part of it a 10-15 minute section uh there's three parts there's uh this one's a toughie. I'm going to go with the name, guys. I've, I've kept it up all season, and uh, I see no reason to drop it now, even though you both think it's absolutely terrible. Uh, there's a quiz between Gitto and Steve. Uh, it goes on through the whole season. At the moment, uh, I'll give you the up-to-date scores in a second. Uh, there are five questions in the quiz. The first four are worth two points for a correct answer, minus one for an incorrect answer. So it's about making sure when you shout your name for to give an answer you know what it is uh, but if you get it wrong it's also given over to a no risk bonus point for the other player uh, so there's a bit of a rules about it but we've kind of, kind of nailed it down and the final question of the quiz is a who am I where I pluck a former swan out of the archives and give three clues to his identity I have kind of tweaked these um, rules a little bit gents just to get your head up to speed uh if you get it after the first clue that's worth five points as, as we've been doing this season the second clue is worth four and the third clue is worth three uh the change in the rules to this is that there is no penalty now for getting it wrong on this one but you can have and you can both have one free guess per clue Oof. it's worth shouting out a name even if you think oh it might not be him so and, and because of the points on offer it can change all in the final question uh, so if you have been listening all season, you'll know that Steve is winning at the moment. Just it's three-two on the scoreboard, but crucially, Gitto won last time out. We did this, so the form is with you, Gitto. How confident are you feeling? Oh, I'm like Jamal Lowe. I, I, I feel like everything I touch is going to turn into goals now. I mean, like my, the pessimism of old Gitto is gone. Yeah, well, if you had listened, this Gitto was convinced he was going to finish on zero, uh, and so to to get one was his kind of I broken my duck. It was controversial circumstances, Steve. We wanted to go to VAR for some of the questions because you believed they were wrong, which is a uh, on review was probably correct. Uh, but Gitto got off the mark, and now there's no stopping him. And uh, you you worried or you you thinking back to winning ways this week? Just got to focus on uh, my own game, not worry about the opposition. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So we'll we'll introduce the rules to each of the quizzes first, and so everyone gets a, what's going on for the next ten minutes or so, and then we'll go ahead and do them. So we'll come back to this one's a toughie in a little bit. Uh, for now, let's introduce the second part of the quiz section. It's called Battle Jacks. Now this one is a little bit of a twist on games that have existed in other podcasts and radio shows previously. Uh, this is I give a statement and then I flip a coin. Whoever wins the coin toss between Steve or Gitto gets to choose whether they'd like to argue for that statement or against it. They both then get 45 seconds to make their argument. And then after the pod is all finished and edited up, Dan, our editor, will upload the responses, uh, put them on Twitter, and upon them, you get to decide who's made the best argument. It is, as always, worth reiterating at this point. Uh, reiterating at this point. It's not necessarily their actual opinion. Because if they lose the coin toss, they have to make the argument, which is left to them by the other player person. So if I say, for example, Swansea City are the number one team in Wales, and Gitter wins the coin toss, he's going to naturally make the argument for that statement, which would have left us with the incredibly humorous situation where Steve would then have to argue against it, even though he'd definitely be doing so through gritted teeth. So that's the game. And that's the fun of it. So that's part two. And part three, as we come to it, is unpopular opinion. Now, this is we take it in turns, uh, where we feature a, a, a statement, which we do have to hold disbelief on this one, uh, that many would disagree with. And the question is, will we all kind of come to an understanding of where they're going with it, or do we just shut it down straight off and go, that's stupid, that's ridiculous? Uh, we discuss it for a few minutes. Um, it's quite uh, good to listen to. It's quite interesting uh, to hear all the different opinions on it. But this one is more of a, a factual one. One of us has to come forward and say, well, this is actually what I think. And most people will probably disagree with me, but you says, put your uh, cards on the table. And as we're just going through the rules and explanations for this part of the podcast uh, i'll do it this week i've got one prepared and so we'll come back to uh, that in a few minutes and uh stephen gitto then can tell me how ridiculous the statement is or not right gents did those rules make sense because <laughs> i'm hoping i was gonna they... say have you come up for air yet <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I kind of pre-scripted this because I knew how important it was just to get it right for those who haven't been able to listen this season. Uh, so we'll go back to the very start of this jargon now. This one's a toughie. This is our quiz. Remember, five questions, four at the start, then a, then a big point scorer at the end. Uh, Steve and Gitto, you know all about it, and I'm ready to start if you two are. So... Uh, just to keep, just to remind you all to get a question, an answer of a question, you need to shout out your name, and whoever gets in there first gets a shot at it. Remember, two points to get it correct, minus one to get it incorrect, and a free shot at a bonus point for the other player if you do get it wrong. So, potential there for a bit of fun. Right, question one. Which current swan joined Everton's Academy at 11? Left there at 20 and spent. Steve. I think it's Jake Bidwell. Well done. Yeah, Jake Bidwell was the correct answer. The end of that question was going to be he spent his career in London before joining us, which would have probably gifted that to you as well, then, Gitto. Uh, Question two According to whoscored.com, how many minutes has Jay Fulton? played in the championship this season. So multiple choice. Is it A, 
one two two eight minutes? Is it B one six eighty minutes? Or is it C one nine three five minutes? Yes, sir. I'll go for the lowest one. First one, one two two eight? Yeah. Correct. Well done. So we're all even going into question three. Question three then. Sorry for my voice going up there. <laughs> Form table time. How many points has Swansea picked up in the last six games? Again, multiple choice. A, 10 points. B, 11 points. Or C, 13 points. Steve. Steve. Uh, it's 13. Damn it. It is 13. Yes. Steve, you pushed, nudged out into, into the lead here. Question four. Put these three players in order of their age from oldest to youngest. Freddie Woodman, Liam Cullen, Joel Latabodier. Gitto. Go on then, Gitto. I think Woodman's the oldest, Latabodier's in the... Oh, I think I've cocked this up. I think it's Woodman, Cullen and Latabodier. Is that your final answer? I'll put that final answer. Oh, he's got away with it at the death oh, there. Yes. I, I, I quickly realised Cullen isn't quite as young as I thought it was. Yeah, and, yeah. and Latimer is, is is very young. Uh, yes, if you wanted to know, Woodman's 23, Cullen is 21, and Latimer is just 20. So, oh, this is fun, because we're going into the final question, neck and neck. Remember, as I say, no penalty now for coming in after each of the clues. Um, so have a free stab at it. Uh, five points. It doesn't really matter. As long as you end up getting this right now, it's uh, it's the win. So uh, let's get on to the who am I. So clue number one is I'm now 45 years old. I was born in 1975 in Middlesbrough. Does anyone want to take a stab? Middlesbrough. Um... Any uh, northeast players of the uh, past, Steve? Paul Corner. Not Paul Corner, no. So you're frozen out for this clue. Um, I can't. I'm trying to think of any from from the northeast. Um, <laughs> the only player I can think of with Middlesbrough connections is Marvin Emnes, and it's quite obviously <laughs> not him. <laughs> I mean, he could have a dodgy birth certificate, let's, but no, I don't think. Let's just say Marvin Emnes just it's, to get it out of the way, and I won't. I won't be on my mind then. It's not Marvin Emnes. Banish him from your brain. Right, clue two then. <laughs> with four points, for the say, as long as it's right, you win the game. After spending five years at the Swans, playing 139 games, I left in 2001. To join Kidderminster. Steve. Go on then, Steve. I think it's Richie Appleby. Oh, it is. It's Richie Appleby for Bad the win. So, Steve, congratulations. Uh, you're back in, back in control of the quiz. It's 4 2. Uh, Ghetto commiserations. You, you fought it to the death. <laughs> Yeah, I was I I was never gonna get that one. I don't think um, Steve's knowledge of turn of the millennium uh, <laughs> is superior to mine. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there is a. If you've listened through the season, there is a preference to a certain era of Swans players that perhaps I've gone with uh, so far. Um, so uh, we'll try and uh, mix that up a little bit, I suppose. Uh, quite right. Second part of it. Bear with me a second. I'm just gonna grab a coin makeshift coin as it were 
this is for Battle Jacks now, the statement uh, that I'm about to read out, and then I'll flip a coin to decide. Steve, I think it's your turn to, to decide which head or tails. The statement I will make is Swans need to sign a number nine in January. Heads or tails, Steve? Uh, tails. It's heads. So, Gitto, you're left in the decision to make. Do you want to argue for that statement or against it? I would like to argue that the Swans do not need a number nine. You're arguing against. Hmm. And Steve, that means that you have to argue for it. As you are arguing for it, Steve, you go first. Okay. 45 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. I would say that we definitely need a, a number nine. Um, I would say that Andrea Ayew and Jamal Lowe have done very well, but they're not going to stay fit or in form for the entire season, so we definitely need to bring a striker in. Fjorkerez hasn't done the business. I think Liam Cullen needs a, a loan spell where he can uh, beef himself up a little bit. We definitely need to add more goals to this team. I would say that has been probably a little bit of a weakness of ours, whereas defensively we've been superb. So if we could bring in a number nine, I think that would make all the difference um, in the season running. So yes, from my point of view, we definitely do need to sign a number nine to bolster our attacking options. Okay, he's finishing a few seconds early, but that's fine because he's getting a good argument. Gitto, uh, you've chosen to argue against it. So uh, 45 seconds, off you go. Uh, yeah, basically, we don't actually need a number nine, contrary to popular opinion. This could easily be my unpopular opinion. Um, Jamal Lowe has stepped up. He's scored eight goals already this season, which is pretty good uh, by any standards. Add to that the fact that Andre Ayew, as a second striker, has scored eight goals. 16 goals, that's not a bad return. And when you combine that then with a rock-solid defence... It, it's a winning formula. Um, people think you need a 20-goal striker to go up from, from the championship. Actually, you don't. A lot of teams go up without them. I think West Brom's top scorer last season only had 10 goals. Um, so there's this myth that you need this 20-goal-a-season striker to go up. It's it's not actually true. And there is a risk that because Jamal Lowe... Oh, what? Sorry, it's 45 seconds. It's a flyway, what? isn't it? We filled with uh, content there. So Is there I, a decimal I, point <laughs> between our four and five, honestly? <laughs> I've robbed, I robbed the listeners of your argument there, or the tail end of your argument. Wow. Plenty of, uh, I think I got the main points across, but still. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, I mean, you've got the 45 seconds of Gitto, you were the 37 seconds of Steve. Maybe you should have asked Steve if you could borrow his eight seconds. <laughs> Get it on. Get it on. <laughs> yeah. to, on I'll buy them off you, Steve. <laughs> There's, um, hey, I'm... Um, I'll, I'll charge you through the roof. <laughs> so uh, Dan is going to, when he ends up this podcast now, he's going to put this up with 45 seconds of both uh, Gitto and Steve's arguments there, and then Paul with it to say, well, who do you think uh, made the best argument? So look out for that on Twitter, where all our uh, correspondence goes through usually. Um, there is another part to the competitive com- com- competitive element to this uh, podcast uh, which I'll bring in now as we're at the midway point of the season Um, we actually did uh, predictions before the start of the season Uh, it was where we were uh, thought was going to go up and who was going to go down needless to say I fared worst in this so far Uh, Steve you had Norwich and Watford to go up automatically uh, not beyond the realms of possibility of course uh, still and and Brentford to come up to the playoffs. 
Git or you had Watford and Norwich in that order with Brentford as well. Uh, I had Watford and Norwich the same order as Gitto, but I had Derby to go up through the playoffs. Ooh. That is looking wow. like a fucking horrendous call, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, the bottom three, Steve, you went for Sheffield Wednesday, Wickham and Rotherham. Two of them are there and one's on the on the cusp. Uh, Gitto, you went with Wickham, Rotherham and Birmingham again. Birmingham, the only one not in there, and they aren't too far off. And uh, I went with uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Birmingham, and Rotherham. So, again, not quite as close as you two, but that's not as horrendous as the Derby playoff shout that I made at the start of the season. So, horrendous. I, I don't know why our listeners should listen to should pay any attention to your unpopular opinions when you've got those kind of predictions going on. <laughs> Well, is my saving grace because we've been doing score predictions through the season as well, and this is that, where we don't, actually... we don't need to listen to score predictions. That's <laughs> irrelevant. Just fucking them. I'm just saying there. Well, I mean, we're we're looking at it and we're saying that you're you're discrediting uh, my runaway lead on the prediction lead so far on the prediction league so far. Although I will say I was updating the scores recently uh, earlier on today of the recent results, and um, wow, it's been quite a poor run for all of us over the past six weeks or so. Really, really poor predictions. Um, very few points to be handed out. Um, but as it stands at the moment, the, the table looks like this. I'm top. Uh, this is how the Prediction League works, by the way. Um, just to add more confusion. If you get the right result, then it's, uh, it's worth a point. And if you get both the right result and the right score, then it, it's, it's worth two. So um, we've been was it worth three? No, it was worth three, isn't it? Yeah, it's worth three points. So that's so what we've been doing through the season. I've got the result and score four times, and the result just four, uh, four times. So I've got 16 points. Gitto, you're second with 11 points. And Steve, you're bottom of the table in relegation zone there uh, on 10 points, but just a point off Gitto. Um, so we'll do a prediction of the games coming up and uh, add to that as needs be. But like I say, recently it's been really poor, really poor um, scoring uh, from all of us. So uh, we need to get back on that, I think. Uh, so let's move on, shall we? Let's move on to uh, news and um, what we've got to discuss. So first of all, let's discuss something we mentioned a little bit earlier on, Gitto, which was the introduction of the new pitch which uh, I don't think it can be overstated how important that was because the mm. old pitch was resembling more and more like uh, a, they, they didn't even care anymore. It was it was like being patched up for a while. And it looked poor and you were looking on the stream and going, God, that looks quite patchy there. And in the last couple of games, it looked like the groundsmen had just furloughed themselves. They weren't interested at all. It, no discredit to, to the men, the people working on it, but it got so bad and it was uh, reported that there was a severe disease running through the, uh, the, the through the grass, the old turf, and it needed to come up. There was no saving it and um, the new pitch has gone down and it hasn't had a lot of bedding time, but uh, so far so good. Yeah, fair play for making the decision. Um, it's easy to say the decision needed to be made, but, but you know, completely overhauling and replacing your turf um, halfway through a season, especially when the schedule's as crowded as it's, as it's been this year, that's no mean feat. Um, you know, that comes with a cost as well for a club that's struggling financial, struggled financially over the last few years and, you know, has taken a hit like everybody else from COVID. Um, it, it was a big decision to be made and we're hoping that it pays dividends. But the early... 
the early evidence suggests that it, it may well do. Um, I mean, the, the pitch in its former state was was the worst by far that it's ever been. The, the Liberty Stadium's pit, pitch has always been pristine. So to see it that way was, was really shocking. Um, the one thing I have noticed since we actually relayed it is how many other pitches across the country are beginning to look a little bit like like ours was and and seem to be on that on that kind of road to ruin that, that we were on um and i just wonder if we're going to see other clubs possibly follow suit over the coming weeks and months if if their pitches become really terrible as well um and and start losing all their grass are we going to see a lot of pitches being um relayed this season it, it's going to be interesting but it, it definitely seems like it's um it's paid dividends and hopefully it'll uh, help us um, avoid the kind of passing statistics we saw against uh, against Barnsley yeah it is good to see the new pitch in action Steve um uh, it's January which means the transfer window is open what sort of movement do you think there'll be with the Swans this season? What's in the press at the moment? Uh, how do you see this one uh, playing out for the Swans over the next month? Well, we're being linked to one or two, aren't we? So I'm, I think a striker will come in, and I think that, that needs to happen. Um, you know, Giorgarez hasn't been great sending him back or Brighton recalling him, I'd say, would probably be a, a good thing for everybody because... He's just not going to get a chance here, is he? I think that's fairly obvious. I think Casey Palmer might go back as well because now that Gibbs White is fit, you know, Palmer wasn't getting a great deal of action anyway. Now he's going to get even less. So I think those two might go. And then you're looking at, like I say, a striker coming in, I would think. So, yeah, it's we've been linked to a couple of them. Max Waters is one from Crawley. Can't say I know a great deal about him. Michael Oberfemi is the other one we seem to be linked to alone from Southampton. He played quite a bit last season, but not so much this. So a loan move for him probably would make sense for for everybody, really. So, you know, um, I, th- I think you will see a striker come in. Um, I certainly hope so, because uh, I think that's what we need. Contrary to my, um, my, my assertion in unpopular opinion, Gitto, I think one thing you have to say, and I don't think there's any con- contest in this, is is Gitto, is Gitto, no, Cooper, rather. Doesn't I'll take the credit ha- if you want to give, <laughs> give me the credit. <laughs> uh, Cooper doesn't ha- seem to have a blind spot when it comes to players. He'll always have these man just, you go, God, why the hell is he picking him again? But Cooper seems to know his best team, know the best players and uh, what they offer. And so generally looking at that team, the best players are on the pitch most of the time when they can be. And, and so for that reason... I'm very much with Steve's opinion here. Cooper's not a fan of Giorgares. He's given very little time to Liam Cullen. Maybe he feels like an opportunity may arise in January to send him out on loan. And um, so I can see those pieces of the jigsaw go in, unusually for the Swans, go in the way we expect them to, because he seems to see it very similarly to us. Yeah, um, I, I mean... Gyukares just hasn't had an impact since since he's arrived here. Um, Pat Palmer's had a bit more impact, but he just hasn't played that much, and that seems to suggest that the Cooper's not a fan. And and when you know, not necessarily not a fan, but I think he just prefers using Danda. That's that's clear. And uh, but even Danda these days is 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 second choice behind one of the three centre centre midfielders who who re, and in fairness that system's really working at the moment with Grimes, Smith and Fulton. So 
you know, if he's sticking with three in the middle, um, three three out, you know, more defensive central midfielders in games, Palmer's behind Dander anyway. We've now got Morgan Gibbs-White coming back, who's really, you'd expect, going to be taking one of those slots as well. Palmer suddenly falls far down the pecking order, and I just don't see where the games are going to be coming for him. So, um, I, I, you know... Bristol City have had a bit of an injury crisis in the first half of the season. I'd be surprised if he stays here um, beyond January. Um, so I expect him to go back here, Koresh, the same, just to free up a loan space, really, for, for somebody else. Because we, we did it last season, I guess. It wasn't our choice, obviously, but Sam Selridge went back at midway through the season, but it allowed us to bring others in on loan um, for the second half of the season. We, we're happy to do that if... Um, uh, if need be, and that's because you know we we have these contacts now under Cooper. He's able to attract some of the best young prospects at some of the um, Premier League's top top academies. You know, so um, if it, if it means us saying sorry, we're sending one lone player back, and so that we can get another, then you know we we don't mind doing that. Savage's replacement didn't uh, didn't do bad for himself after in the end, did he? Uh, as, it, as it happens, but um, it's a nice problem to have. And I don't think we'd part on a, a fight with the Casey Palmer situation, Steve, because of what's happening. And it's not just that, you know, if we had two or three loan spaces free, we might be like, oh, are you going to use him? Because, you know, we, we, we'll use him here. He'd be a better player for it. And um, he's a good, I think he's a useful player at this level. I think he can offer something. But because he's one of, he's, we've maxed out the loan and we're looking to bring players in and, and inevitably uh, the, the, the main bulk of it is going to be looking at loans again. I think he's actually going to hack, cause harm unless we can you know, send Gyokuresh back to Brighton, which I, I hope is another move we can make. But the adjustments there would mean that we'd actually benefit from letting someone like Casey Palmer in a position which we are fairly well stocked. Um and, and like you say, even when Morgan Gibbs-White was out injured, uh, he wasn't playing every week anyway. So it's not as if we were just losing a first-teamer and hoping that this replacement hits the ground running. Um, so I can't see any real uh, concerns over that. But it will be a nice problem for Cooper to have if he does bring in a striker or two if Gilchrist goes back and Liam Cullen goes out on loan. Then, you know, perhaps Max Waters and... Waters and um, and Obafemi do come in as one one as a purchase, one as a loan. Then we can have a, a situation where um, he has a decision to make. You've got Lower AU, who's suddenly looking like a formidable partnership up there, uh, working hard. Both of them worked their absolute socks off, but they both got goals. Gitto said already 16 goals this season between them. It's not going to set the world alight, but at the same time, it's a certain and they're. Low in particular has only now started finding that sort of form. So where's that going to leave him? Morgan Gibbs White comes into the team now. What one of the best players in this division on what little we've seen of him. He has phenomenal talent. Uh, I hope that he keeps that up. But he's got to find his way into that team as well. So there's some big decisions for Cooper to be make, made now. And maybe this starting eleven doesn't necessarily pick itself anymore in a few weeks' time. Yeah, there is that. I mean, there'll even be the option, won't there? I think now, realistically, of if in a game things aren't working, you could even change the formation, couldn't you? I mean, Gibbs White can obviously play well at ten. You could argue that Low and AU can obviously can both play out wide. So then, if a striker was to come in, you could possibly go with that in a four-two-three-one. So 
it just gives you that that option, doesn't it? Because I think we have had some games like that, really, where you know the formation hasn't worked and we haven't really had the personnel to to really change it. But that's one thing that will help. But as you say, I mean, in terms of what the the favoured eleven is, it's, it's going to be tough, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be very difficult to leave out a fully fit Morgan Gibbs White, I would say, because of uh, everything he's going to bring us. He'll offer such a goal threat, and also in, in terms of setting up chances for the forward players as well. So. I think it'll be almost impossible to to leave him on the bench for that long. So somebody then will will have to drop out one day. I mean, Smith's playing really well at the moment, and to be fair, Grimes and Fulton haven't done a lot wrong either. So it's uh, Cooper does have a bit of a problem, but it's a nice problem to have rather than thinking who am I going to pick, which I think was happening during the the final years of our time in the Premier League, where you didn't know who to pick because nobody was really doing a lot. Whereas now, I think. There's going to be people on the bench who were a bit unlucky to be there. Yeah, um, and is is ever is the revolving door of football Gitto. There'll be, uh, I'm sure, one or two players heading the other way as well. I've mentioned Liam Cullen already. Perhaps maybe looking at the likes of Declan John as well. Um, do you expect there to be um, just fringe players that we don't? want or need necessarily at the moment to be heading out or do you see any bids coming in from our star players god forbid chelsea recalling mark Gehi or something like that or anything of that ilk which could harm our our chances going forward well looking at the way chelsea are playing at the moment they could probably use gay the team um but you'd hope that the the you know the really good players that we've got on loan um, will will be able to stay here, and that you know clubs like Chelsea see the long term benefit of allowing Gaye to stay here and potentially you know um, get get us promoted, which which would be a heck of a feather in his cap um, and a heck of an experience for him. Uh, and in terms of you know the the permanent players we've got, I I don't really know if we've got any left that would entice kind of the big the big clubs to to come in with big money um in the way that they would have been tempted with with joe roden for example or mcburney and dan james in the past before that i think we've we've cashed in on on all of those real potential big earners for us um you know somebody like iu i can't see anybody coming in from before the summer um and, and from the perspective of the players themselves you know, I, unless an amazing offer came in, you'd have to wonder why they'd want to leave right now. We're playing so well. We're in such a good position. The, the players seem to be very confident and loving their football again. It, Swansea's a good place to be right now if you're a footballer. So I, I'm, you know, t- touch wood and all that, but I'm not enormously concerned about losing players in January, despite what Cooper said after after the match the other day about, you know, that being the priority, keeping players rather than, than bringing people in. I, I hope that we can um, that we can survive this January with, with the squad intact. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Um, well, we'll keep an eye on that through the podcast through the month and uh, keep updating it as and when anything happens or we just see one of these bloody in the no accounts pop up on Twitter who just gets created for transfer windows, I think. Uh, so we're going to look ahead now to the fixtures. We've got a break from the league this weekend, Steve, and it's the FA Cup third round. We had a brief discussion uh, on, on, on Twitter the other day about it. Um, a great chance, uh, twofold really, it's a great chance for some of the fringe players to get a, a game uh, where they may not have been playing before. But also... Uh, with Latibodier 
getting injured before kickoff, Bennett being injured um, the week before. Uh, it's a chance for us to give our players a rest as well. Some of the players who played a hell of a lot of football this season already. Yeah, I think um, this little break is definitely coming at a good time with those injuries. I mean, um, you'd like to think some of them will be back in a couple of weeks' time when we play Barnsley. And obviously, um, you know, the fact that we've got this cup game now, I, I think this is a year where I'm really not bothered about the cup. I mean, the fact that there's no crowds, there's probably not a lot of money to be had in it. And obviously, it's such a pa- uh, packed schedule. You just think, you know what, it, it, it really isn't that important. Um Obviously, I would like us to avoid, uh, you know, being beaten by a League Two side. But, you know, I think the most important thing is that we give uh, minutes to um, some of the players that, that probably need it. I mean, you look at Gibbs White now could be the perfect example. He can now play and build himself up to uh, some match sharpness. I mean, I don't know what the George Byers situation is. Um, but if he's close, then hopefully he can get some minutes. You're looking at Routledge and Garrick. I mean, they've... They've barely played all season, so there's a chance for them. Liam Cullen, if he's recovered from the virus, hopefully he has uh, get well soon to him. But then you're looking at maybe one or two um, youngsters playing as well, and obviously the likes of um, of Stephen Bender. So, yeah, I, I think that this is coming at um, quite a nice time for us, and um, hopefully one or two of the players that haven't played a great deal will um, will show that maybe they deserve some uh, some more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you mentioned not wanting to go out to a League Two team. It won't be the first time this season, Gitto, that we've got, we'd have gone out to a League Two team. And uh, the first time round, it didn't cause us uh, too much long-lasting harm. Um, but of course, crazy times, crazy circumstances surrounding the whole football restart. Um, would you be disheartened if we went out in the third round? Yes, I'd be disheartened. I don't think I've seen it, see it as the end of the world by any means, but I think just because of the opposition that we're playing, um, we could do without going out to Stevenage. I mean, that it's it's worth pointing out just, just how bad they are. Um, I, I mean, they're, they're just hovering above the League 2 um, relegation zone at the moment on goal difference, and there are some chronic teams in League 2 this season, some there which are just focused on on staying alive you know and rather than rather than survival um you know in a footballing sense and steve they probably fit into that category they've had an awful year in fact no they've they've picked up fewer points in 2020 than any other team in the football league so that's that tells you something just 22 points collected um from from the 32 matches that they've played this um this in the last calendar year um they're, they're chronic. They're really, really bad. I know they've, they've actually had two wins recently, so the form has picked up slightly, but still, they, they've had a real nightmare year, um, Stephen Age. And it's, it, you know, the last thing you want is an, is a, is an embarrassment. Um, and going out to a team in, in Stephen Age's situation would be an embarrassment for us. And it's, even if you make wholesale changes and, and it's not the first team players on, on the pitch, you know, you d- you don't want that negativity kind of infiltrating the squad when when things are going so well elsewhere. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if we go out, but that kind of embarrassment doesn't help in any shape, way, shape, or form. So, ideally, even even with the changes, we I'd hope that we'd be able to that we'd be too good for for Stevenage and that we'd be able to av- avoid the banana skin. Yeah, Steve, so what sort of players would you be featuring in this game then uh, in terms of actual personnel? Uh, would you be 
interested or intrigued by any tweaks that Cooper may try out or, or, or look at for this game? Or would you think just, you know, horses for courses on this one and uh, like for like players to, to fill the gaps where the first teamers are getting a rest? Yeah, I mean, you're just looking at what youngsters are available, really. And, um, you know, the, the squad players, I would say, that have, have not featured um, so far. So you're looking at Garrick, you're looking at Routledge, uh, if, I suppose if Giorgarez is still here, someone like him, Cullen, uh, Byers, if he's fit, Gibbs White, if he can do with minutes, Bender. I suppose defensively is where we got the issue because we got those few injuries, haven't we? So one or two of them may have to play. But, um, you know, I think in general, you're looking at those people that need minutes, really. Yeah, definitely. So what? Uh, go on and finish that off with a, a score prediction for us for that game. Uh, I think we'll come through it. I think we'll uh, we'll win one nil. One nil. Okay, uh, Gitto. What about you? I'd like to think that even with the changes we make, we we can win two nil um, and hopefully have a reasonably comfortable afternoon. I'm I'm hoping. Interesting. Um, I say interesting. It's not an interesting fact at all. It's a boring fact. Before we uh, before we stop talking about Stevenage, um, this weekend's meeting is a clash between the only two teams in the entire football league who have never in their history finished second in any league that they've played in. So um, that's that's my boring stat com, uh, co- contribution to to this week's pod. I think that's incredible. I, I you know the fact that they're two clubs that have never done it as well as uh, in a hundred odd years you've not done it. How old is Stevenage? Are they probably uh, looking at that sort of age as well, are they? They've only been in the league about ten years, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. and, so and they've, only, they've only existed since the 70s. Have uh, they really? Okay. Yeah, so, so we go back way further. Yeah, yeah. we're yep. still 50 odd years, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, we finished in every single league position from 1 to 24, apart from second, which is really, really random. Well, there's never been a better year to put that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We always either finish first or third when we're going for promotion. We've, we we went up once after finishing sixth through the playoffs, but um, other than that, it's always either in first or more, more often than not third. It'll be interesting, actually, to see if Emmy Buendia is picked up from um, Norwich uh, in, in January, as, as is being rumoured, um, because that will have a direct effect on on the chances of anyone uh, catching or overtaking Norwich, won't it, really? I mean, he's a star player and he's hot on form at the moment. Yeah, he scored a lovely goal yesterday as well. Oh, like, beautiful. A long ball over the top in it, and then first-time volley. A stunning goal. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's watched it, hasn't he? He's done, we know he's a, he's a cracking player anyway. He's uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because they they will, you know, they'll obviously be tested. Someone will come in and test the water, and will they be able to replace someone of his quality? No matter how much money they get, really, it's going to be having to be spent because people will know they've got it. But uh, no, it, it will have a direct impact on us and teams around the, the top half of the um, championship. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, as for the game on the weekend, the Stevenage game, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll go with Gritto on this, I think a 2-0 Swans win, which is worrying in the sense that I'm looking back up our predictions and uh, whenever we've all agreed on a result <laughs> it's not actually gone 
necessarily the way we thought it would. Um, it, w- it wouldn't be the first time that we've slept up against, you know. A, a no, t- no, it wouldn't be the first time this season. I mean, we all predicted a Bournemouth win when we drew. We all predicted the Swans win against Sheffield Wednesday uh, when we drew. Uh, just looking up here. Um, yeah, so it is certainly uh, not, uh, not something we've covered ourselves in glory with previously. We've got the results uh, not necessarily the right way around. Um, but there we go. So we've all gone for a Swans win on that one. Uh, are we going to have a podcast then before the following game? As I, as I scurry around for my uh, fixture list. Yeah, it's yeah, the week I after, isn't it? Got Barnsley and we on the, yeah, on we will. Sky. We will. That's a that's a that's a full seven days afterwards as well. So we'll get a podcast in uh, between Stevenage and Barnsley. So we won't bother previewing Barnsley for now. Uh, what does leave me time to say and re- reiterate what I said at the top of the podcast. Thank you ever so much to everyone who uh, contributed towards uh, the fund uh, for the Jackcast. And like you say, any excess monies raised through that will be put uh, out on Twitter as a suggestion for local charities um, that you feel would uh, most beneficial for it. And we will be giving that money as a, uh, as we say, over to charity. So uh, thank you so much from myself, Steve and Gitto. Hope you enjoyed. If you know someone who can't get it on any of these streaming platforms still, despite us being back on Podbean, do let us know because we should now be back fully accessible and uh, fully available to you to subscribe and have them automatically download onto your iPhones or whatever uh, you listen to it on. So um, thank you very much. All these for me to say is uh, join us again next week. Keep an eye on the Twitter feed uh, where we'll be updating it, like I say, with Battle Jacks and segments of the show. And no doubt Dan will take this opportunity to put in my unpopular opinion this week as well, just so he publicises the, uh, <laughs> the the amount of uh, hatred that can come my way. Uh, I maintain that Gitto has to go one better next time round, but he's going to find it hard-pressed, I'm sure, to hold an opinion as uh, controversial as that one. But uh, for now, from myself, Steve, and Gitto, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.